0: Without further ado, I am going to introduce our next speaker. Dr. Holliman is a practicing dermatologist at Dermatology Associates of Tyler in East Texas. She attended the University of Oklahoma for her undergraduate and medical degrees and the University of Missouri for her dermatology residency. Her practice incorporates clinic surgery, clinical research, and cosmetics. She enjoys being a part of a busy clinical practice and is blessed to be even busier at home with her husband and three children. Welcome, Dr. Holloman. I'm Jenny Holman, and basically what he just said. Huge Sooner fan, University of Oklahoma, so questions about football or dermoscopy after the lecture, we can do that. And then uh, spent four great years in Columbia, Missouri at the University of Missouri there. I'm in a group of 10 dermatologists in Tyler, Texas. Um, A lot of you guys know Kirk Gaudier. I'm in the same group with Kirk, and he's gonna speak later this weekend. And then I'm about 70% clinical dermatology, so I'm pretty general dermatology, probably most of what you guys do, and then about 30% surgical and cosmetic. And I have a one, three, and a five-year-old at home. So today we're gonna talk about dermoscopy. Our goals, I'm gonna tell you what dermoscopy is. We're gonna talk about how you use dermoscopy. And then really, this is just a basic lecture. I'm not gonna get into all the hairy details of things. I mean, you can get very detailed in dermoscopy. I just want you guys to kind of see the basics so that if you don't use dermoscopy, you can start using it and start recognizing basic patterns in your practice. And then probably the most important thing is the primary use of dermoscopy is to recognize melanoma. And so we're gonna talk about how you recognize what a melanoma looks like under the dermatoscope and then a few other non-pigmented lesions so you can differentiate a melanoma from other things. And the next hour is really exciting. You get to test all of your skills that you learned this hour, so get ready. Okay, I'd like to thank Dermoscopy Atlas and Dermnet NZ. They both um, allowed me to use some of their images with permission. Um, dermatoscopic images are sometimes hard to capture if you don't have the right equipment, and so both of them were kind enough to let me use a lot of their images. If y'all don't use Dermnet NZ, it is a great clinical resource, and it's a great patient resource too. Tons of images. They're very generous about letting you use images for talks and education, so that's a great website. If you're not familiar with it, go visit. Okay, first your pants, then your shoes. I want you guys to remember, dermoscopy is a tool. First of all, we are clinicians. And so when you look at something clinically, regardless, you need to use your clinical judgment. My husband works in the ER. When somebody's got appendicitis, you don't always need a CAT scan. Sometimes you just know what it is. So again, today, I'll say this a couple times. First your pants, then your shoes. Dermoscopy is just a tool to use as an adjunct to help you clinically. Okay, so what is dermoscopy? It's also called dermatoscopy or epiluminescence microscopy. Typically, you're taking a tool. It magnifies to about 10 times what you can see with the naked eye. You're going to have a clear plate and some sort of illumination method so that you can see what's there. You also um, historically use mineral oil or they make some special dermatoscope oils as well because you need to cancel out skin surface reflection so you can actually see these structures. Newer dermatoscopes use polarized light so you don't need the oil. This is what I trained with. This is your old school dermatoscope. And so if you've got an otoscope or an ophthalmoscope at your office, you can buy these little heads and screw it on there. They're a little bit cumbersome because you do have to use the oil. And so you've got to get the oil, drop it on there, or put it on the lesion itself, look at it. And then, of course, you have to clean off your dermatoscope, and you need to clean off the patient so they don't have oil spots all over them. But that's a really inexpensive way if you want to start using dermoscopy. It's just a little bit more cumbersome because you've got the oil. This is where I would recommend starting. The DermLite 3 Gen really revolutionized dermoscopy in about 2001, and that's when it really started to be um, used in residency training because it just became so easy. I have one of these that's just kind of your basic dermatoscope. It's about $370. Usually have deals at the AAD if you're ever there, but it fits in your pocket, it's super lightweight, you pull it out and it's just like you can look, you can look, you can look, you can look, back in your pocket. There's no oil, there's no cleaning, so that's a great way to get started. It's easy, very portable. And then they have a whole range of dermatoscopes too, but just the basic one's a great way to get started. Dermoscopy photography is something else that's really becoming a hot thing. And so you can monitor lesions not only by clinical photos, which I'm sure a lot of you guys already do. You'll take a picture of a mole, say come back in three to six months, we'll compare it. Well, you can take a picture of the dermatoscopic image of a mole and then compare it in three to six months. And a lot of times you'll see changes there in some of the dermatoscopic structures before you see them clinically, and that's an indication to biopsy. Um, MoleMinder, excuse me, MoleMax and PhotoFinder are two of the top ones there. This is from 3Gen, the same company that um, makes the DermLite. And then, yes, there is an app for that. Um, These are smartphone dermatoscopes. Now, I have the one that's on the left. It's by Canfield, and I feel like it's the old-school cell phone that used to set, like, in your console, and you thought it was so cool, because it's pretty big, it's pretty bulky. You have to open it, turn it on, get the app, look at the patient, put it back up. So it's a little cumbersome. Um, The one on the... The right is three gens, and that's just a case, and you screw your regular dermatoscope on there. So I think that's going to be my next dermoscopy indulgence, is to switch to that one. Okay, so a lot of times you hear, well, dermoscopy is just this newfangled thing, I'm not going to use that. Um, There's about 20% of dermatologists that use dermoscopy. I'm in a group of 10, and about 10% of us use dermoscopy, so it's just me. Um, Because everybody else, when I got there and I had my dermatoscope, they're like, if you need to look at it with a dermatoscope, you need to biopsy it. And that's completely not the case. It's just a diagnostic tool. But it's been around a long time, 1600s, it was introduced. Then improved with the addition of oil immersion in the 1800s. And that's, like I said, it cancels out your skin surface reflections so you can actually see the structures. Then you had the built-in light source. We're getting more and more convenient. Goldman, who is a little bit more contemporary, coined the term dermascopy. And then, like I said, in 2001, 3Gen added the polarized light. So what do we use dermoscopy for? The main thing is that you want to aid in melanoma diagnosis. And that's mainly what we're going to focus on today. But again, you can monitor pigmented lesions if you use the video dermoscopy or the digital dermoscopy. You can diagnose scabies or pubic lice. I recommend investing in a cleaning mechanism if you're going to diagnose pubic lice with your dermatoscope. Um, Wart diagnosis, this is kind of cool. If you can recognize wart structures there, you know, sometimes when somebody comes in and they're like, I think it's gone, but I'm not sure, and you don't know if you want to freeze them again or not, usually you just freeze it just because they're there. But if you can recognize those wart structures, you can say, yeah, it's still there. Let's give it one more treatment. Some people use it for fungal diagnosis and then surgical margin determination. I haven't used this, but there's several people who do as far as like lentigo, maligno, or bones disease, recognizing your margins, mainly just trying to decrease your need for reexcisions. Okay, so there was a study that looked at hundred dermatologists who are trained in dermoscopy, so not somebody who just pulls it out every once in a while, and then compared it to one hundred dermatologists with a naked eye who don't use dermoscopy, and their sensitivity for melanoma detection was increased by twenty percent, and specific excuse me specificity by 10%. and I think that sensitivity is probably the more important thing here, because we want to catch as many melanomas as we can. And we want to catch them early. So I do think it's a very useful tool. Is it going to revolutionize your world and all of a sudden you're going to catch every melanoma in the world? No. But as you use it more and more, you're going to get better and better at recognizing those structures or those changes. All right, so let's get to the good stuff, the dermoscopy basics. You are going to hear me say this 100 times today, and in your sleep tonight you're going to be going, is it melanocytic or not? That's the first step. Any lesion that you look at, you can't judge if it's a melanoma or not if you're looking at a basal cell. You need to recognize, is this lesion melanocytic? And so lots of things are going to have pigment. We see pigmented SKs, pigmented basal cells, but I want you to be able to recognize what's a melanocytic lesion and what's not. What's origin is melanocytic. So there's three basic clues that can let you know a lesion is of a melanocytic origin. Pigment network, dots and globules, and streaks are kind of a subset of that, or amorphous areas or blue areas. So let's start with pigment network. A pigment network is really your hallmark of a melanocytic lesion. And I want you to look here at the periphery there of that lesion. You can kind of see those little fine reticulated lines. Histologically, that's going to correspond to your reet ridges and dermal papillae. The reet ridges are where the pigment kind of sits and as they line up, you get this pretty little kind of network. And so can you guys appreciate that, that there's a network of pigment? It's organized, it's just not a random blob of pigment there. Um, Dermoscopy.org can go into tons of detail because there's all these patterns. Some of us in academics, I'm not personally and there's a good reason for that, get really into the details of all these different patterns and things like that and the different types of benign nevi that they um, indicate. Reticular pattern and lattice-like pattern are the ones you're mainly going to see today, but you guys can appreciate those fine little lines in that lesion. It just lets you know this is a melanocytic lesion. And I'll tell you this, I want you to realize, the pigment network can be localized or diffuse. So it doesn't necessarily mean the whole thing has to have a pigment network. If you can find a hint of a pigment network in part of a lesion, it should give you a clue that this lesion is melanocytic. And that's important because when we get into melanoma and things like that, You're going to lose some of your architecture, and you're going to lose that pigment network, but you can see it in part of it, and you may know, hey, this is probably something I need to be concerned about. Okay, so like I said, localized or diffuse They both don't. This one of them is a pigment network, and one is not. Can you guys appreciate which one has a hint of a network in portions of it, and which one is just a few blobs sitting up there? Okay, so on the left here we have, this is just a compound nevus. But you can appreciate there's that network, you can see that fine reticular pattern around the outside there. This is a pigment and basal cell here on the right, and we'll go into more of those details later. But I just wanted you to see the difference. Sometimes it's easier to see what something is when you see what it's not. Okay, so these are yes or no basic ABCs question. Does this have a pigment network? Can you appreciate that? Because this is our foundation for the rest of the lecture. Does this have a pigment network? Can you find hint of a pigment network somewhere in here? Okay, the answer is yes. You can see some little network structures there in the bottom, but what I want you to appreciate on this side is the pseudo network. Any skin that's on the face is going to have a pseudo network. So you see all those little dots that's in there? Those are follicular structures and follicular openings. And so not only can you tell, you can tell where a lesion is just by a picture of it. Now clearly in the clinic, you're going to know if you're putting a dermatoscope on somebody's face. I mean, you know where it is. But for today, you can know that these structures are on the face when you see the pseudo network. But you do have hint of a pigment network in a couple of places there. Pigment network? I just want you to look for organization of pigment, that there's some organization of pigment somewhere in there. It doesn't have to be regular. Yes, the answer is yes. Everybody got that? Here we see some little streaks through there little bit of a network up there it doesn't have to be uniform but I just want you to start recognizing there's some organization of pigment pigment network yes everybody good we see some areas there where you have got some organization it's not uniform this is a melanoma we'll talk about that later but I just want you to start saying yes there's a network somewhere in that lesion Okay, the next thing that lets you know you're looking at a melanocytic lesion. Pigment network's pretty much your hallmark, but then you get into dots and globules. So this is a congenital nevus, and obviously what I want you to recognize is that when you've got a dot or a globule, looking at it, is it pigment, is it not? So looking at this, are these pigment? Yes, okay. I'm going to put it next to this. Those are organized pigmented dots and globules. Again, this is a pigmented basal cell. And so you see how they're not organized in the nice little clumps. It's difficult, but the more that you start looking at things, you'll start to appreciate these. And when you can correlate it with your clinical, it makes a big difference. Okay, and then they don't always have to be the bigger dots and globules. Here you can appreciate some smaller dots and globules. This is going to be more key when we get into atypical melanocytic lesions, but you see these tiny little dots and globules they are pigment as well. Y'all can see those? Appreciate that? Okay, so more evidence. A couple of these have some pigment network too, but you can see in their tiny dots and globules, bigger amorphous globules there. OK, dots and globules. Compared to that last slide where we had pigmented dots and globules, I just want to show you again what we're not looking at. So can you appreciate the difference there between what's pigment and then what's kind of just disorganized? You've got vasculature, and then again, you've got a couple of pigment and basal cells. It's difficult, and if you don't know, then you're going to say, "I'm still going to biopsy it, and clearly a pigment and basal cell needs a biopsy. But it's nice when you can start to appreciate these things. Okay, would you call that a dot or a globule? maybe like one giant globule, not really. This is going to transition into our amorphous areas, which is the third hallmark of a melanocytic lesion. So amorphous areas, you know, we talked about that network is kind of the reet ridges and the dermal papillae, thinking back on your derm path. Amorphous areas are either when, like in a blue nevus, the pigment is deep, or in um, a solar lentigo, where those reet ridges have kind of been flattened out. So you lose that hint of a pigment network and you just get more of a smudge. The other place amorphous areas are important is sometimes they're going to be a hallmark of melanoma. And again, we'll get more into those details in a couple of minutes. But you can see the best way to think about it in an amorphous area, it's like if somebody took your pigment network and just smudged it. And so it's just like a smear where it's lost the definition of that network. Your network's essentially disturbed, which is what's happening under the microscope as well. OK, so let's hold that up there. We've got pigment network, dots and globules, amorphous areas. Is this melanocytic? Yes. Yes, again localized or diffuse? You see your hand of a network around the periphery there. This is just a benign nevus. Good, you're looking at the periphery there, yes. This is a compound nevus. This also has, which I think is kind of a weird, kind of gross sign, don't do it on your patients. Try to wobble a lesion, but it's called the wobble sign. If something wobbles under a dermatoscope, that's significant of a dermal nevus don't wobble on your patients so yes or no is this melanocytic no we've got to look at what our dots and globules are these dots and globules are vascular so again I want you to recognize just because you see a dot of something you need to take that next step. This is a hemangioma. And so can you appreciate the difference there, these purple and red vascular structures as opposed to the brown pigment structures? And so it just takes some time. You'll get used to it. It'll get better as we go today. A little bit tougher. With basic criteria, you might say no. It is, but I want to show you this would be one that that wobble sign. There are some dots and globules inside of it. This is just a big old dermal nevus. Did you say this is melanocytic? Pigment network, amorphous areas, hint, hint, dots and globules. This is a blue nevus. The other thing I'll tell you is a graphite tattoo can look identical to a blue nevus under your dermatoscope, and so you may need a little history, like were you stabbed with a pencil when you were seven? That's helpful. Okay, so I put two side by side. One of these is melanocytic, one is not, so use your clues that we've talked about. Yes or no? Very good, see we're learning. So yes, the dots and globules are vascular, that's just an angioma, and then you've got an ink spot lentigo. you've got that organization of pigment. Okay, so this is my sweet family. The key with this is I want you to remember we need to look at the whole picture. So at first you may be like, oh, cute family photo. But then you're like, hey, is that a lion two feet behind you? Yes. <laughs> um, my sister-in-law is a zookeeper at the Oklahoma City Zoo, so we got to go up a few weeks ago and uh, Watch her feed the lines. It was quite an experience. But anyhow, so look at the whole picture. OK, so side by side, you're looking at the whole picture. One of these is melanocytic, one is not. At first glance, they look really similar. But one of them is going to have hint of a pigment network. So let's go. The one on the left, yes or no? Very good, yay. So the one on the right is a congenital nevus, and so you see that pigment network around the periphery. It's an SK on the left. Okay, this one is tougher. I'll give you a second to look at it, and I'll tell you it's kind of a trick question too. The key here is tanning cream under the dermatoscope will look just like pigmented dots and globules. So this is a congenital nevus on the left, and that's an SK with tanning cream. So just, again, take your history. Orange palms, perhaps you're looking at tanning cream. All right, the next step, you know, it's not very helpful just to look at lesions and be like, wow, pigmented knot, pigmented knot. We're clinicians, we need to know benign or not. So just like clinically when you're looking at your ABCDE of melanoma, you're going to look at color and symmetry under your dermatoscope as well. But the nice thing is we're magnified so you can see the variations of color a lot more easily and the asymmetry and pattern a lot more easily. I put that in there just to show you can have a whole rainbow of colors under your dermatoscope. Red, pink, purple, or a whole lot of variegated colors as well. Okay, so these are all essentially one-colored lesions. And just like in your clinical ABCDE of melanoma, one color is almost always suggestive of a benign lesion. And again, under your dermatoscope, one color is very suggestive of a benign lesion. And you guys can appreciate pigment network, dots and globules, all that stuff in these as well. The next thing that we're gonna look at is symmetry. Now, symmetry of shape, you may be able just to see clinically, But symmetry of pattern is what's the nice thing about dermoscopy, is that you can appreciate some asymmetry and pattern. These are both atypical nevi, and so hopefully you can appreciate that the pattern throughout these lesions is not completely symmetric. Now I put these up here to show you. They all have more than one color but not necessarily, that doesn't necessarily mean that they're um, malignant. You can have more than one color, we all know that. Clinically, you can look at lesions and they have more than one color. Lots of benign nevi do. But you can appreciate the symmetry of pattern of all of these lesions. You cut them in half, fold them in half, that pattern's pretty symmetric throughout. So symmetry of pattern throughout an entire lesion is also suggestive of a benign lesion. Okay. So benign or malignant? anybody benign it is benign it's a little bit irritated you can see some of that vascular there but you've got a pretty symmetric pattern throughout that whole thing benign or malignant or maybe on the fence yeah it's atypical so it's not completely benign there's some atyp- kind of some asymmetry there but it's just a little bit of asymmetry please get this one right benign or malignant it's a good old melanoma. All right, so we're going to get into now the dermoscopy of melanoma, and this is where you're really going to use your dermatoscope because if you can recognize the keys of what a melanoma is, then you can start to recognize what it's not as well. Okay, so there are so many methods, and if you get any dermoscopy um, text or start reading journal articles, Everybody in academics likes to put their name on their own method for dermoscopy of a melanoma. Mainly today, we're just gonna focus on the three-point rule. i want to keep it simple, folks, because I want you to just have the basic tools to look at a lesion and start to decide. The Menzies method is probably the most complete method, but it's scoring like 35 different points of a lesion. I don't have that kind of time in my clinic to pull out a worksheet and look at a spot and score back and forth. I wanna be able to look at something, clinically recognize it, So there's a lot of methods, and if you want to get more in depth about that stuff and get yourself little worksheets for everybody's moles, that's awesome. Go for it. Okay, so the three-point method. You're going to get one point for each of these, and if you get two points, then you get a biopsy. So asymmetry of color is one point. Asymmetry of your pattern, you get another point. And then blue or white structures inside of a lesion, you get a third point two points you're gonna biopsy I'll tell you this is a very sensitive method so you're gonna over biopsy if this is the only thing you're using I'm gonna talk about some additional characteristics in a minute because I think they're important but um, this is the most sensitive method and it's mainly you know I still don't sit there and go oh, it got a two I've got a biopsy it that's not how it works obviously first your pants then your shoes okay So I want us to score these. Remember, one point for asymmetry of color, one point for asymmetry of pattern, and then one point for blue-gray structures. And so I'll do this first one, and then you guys can do the rest of them. So I'm probably going to give it one point for asymmetry of color, because there is that darker component. But your pattern's pretty regular throughout that. These larger holes that you see there, those are just larger holes in your network. They're not indicative of anything irregular. You've probably seen that in some of the ones I've showed so far. I'm going to give it a 1. It's just a benign. Nevis there. OK. Three-point method. Zero. However, you're not going to score it, because you know what? Is it melanocytic? No. So you're not going to score it at all. If you were, you'd give it a zero, but you're not. OK. So again, I should have emphasized. that. Is it melanocytic is your first step. So yes. So now we say yes, we're going to score it. Asymmetry of color, asymmetry of pattern, blue-white structures. What are you going to give this one? A zero perfect it's so happy it gets to stay so I'll give you a second to score this one it's a three I agree with you however it's a recurrent nevis and you guys know both clinically and histologically it's very important to know when you've had a previous biopsy this might be a case that if you know that You could go back and look at the original histology. Man, I would still biopsy this looking at it under the dermatoscope. But it may be benign because it is recurrent. But it gets a three, I agree. If you can't appreciate those blue-white structures, you got a little bit of kind of bluish-gray areas there. But definite asymmetry of color, asymmetry of pattern. And that's your scar kind of inferiorly there. But it definitely would get a biopsy. Take your time. Score, is it melanocytic? Yes. Asymmetry of color, asymmetry of pattern, blue-gray structures. So I could buy either a zero or a one on this. It's a little bit heavier pigmented inferiorly, but it's very symmetric. This is one of those combined kind of compound nevi. Clinically, you guys know what these look like. Okay, three-point method. Number one, is it melanocytic? First things first. Yes. Asymmetry of color, asymmetry of pattern, blue-gray structures. I'm going to give it a two, and I think that's what most folks would. It's definite asymmetry of color. You've lost pigment inferiorly. Um, asymmetry of pattern, you've really lost a lot of your organization there. You don't have any blue-gray structures, but it's a two. You buy it, and good job, melanoma in situ. Okay, number one, is it melanocytic? The answer is no, but I'm going to say I'm not sure because clinically looking at that, there's so many dots and globules that when I look at that, I really honestly don't know if I'm going to call it melanocytic or not. So until I get my histology, I don't know. And when you say you don't know, then score it like you would any other one. So does it have asymmetry of color? Yes, it has asymmetry of pattern. Yes, and it's definitely got those bluish gray areas inside of it. Can you all appreciate that, what I'm talking about when I say those bluish, dark, smudged areas? So you biopsy it, you counsel the patient, you may have a melanoma, da-da-da, but you're thrilled it's a pigment and basal cell. You still biopsied it, that's the most important part. All right, number one, is it melanocytic? Yes. So let's score it there. Asymmetry of color? Yes. Asymmetry of pattern? Yes. Blue, gray, white areas? Yes, perfect. It got a three. It's a melanoma Okay, now I put this in here because sometimes guys you don't need your dermatoscope, and I love dermoscopy I mean I pull my little dermatoscope all the time out and look at everything somebody with scabies walks in I'm trying to find it just for interest, but um, sometimes you don't need it These are all sks, but by your scoring methods you might say oh Gosh, maybe I need to buy up to these things. If you know it's an SK, you know it's an SK. If it's changing, you know, use your clinical judgment. But sometimes you know it's a mammoth under the microscope. Okay, I brought up the seven-point method because I think it's important. That three-point method is so sensitive that I think you need to be able to recognize other structures inside of a melanoma so that just your sensitivity goes down a little bit, your specificity goes up. The major criteria in the seven point method, um, if you get a three, then you get a biopsy. And so the major criteria each get two points, the minor criteria get one point. Again, if you're into worksheets and scoring everybody's moles, knock yourself out. I just want you to clinically recognize these things. So your majors are irregular pigment network, just like the last one that we looked at. The blue-white veil is what they call it, but essentially it's those same blue-gray structures we were talking about. And they're going to add in irregular vascularity and um, under the microscope and clinically you know this, irregular vascularity malignancies including melanomas, they ulcerate eventually and that's kind of part of irregular vascularity. The minor criteria here are things that I want you to really start looking for. They're those irregular dots and globules, streaks, blotches, and then regression structures. You see that a lot. That one melanoma in situ we looked at where it lost all of its pigment inferiorly. That's pigment regression, and you know you see that on your histology report when you get a melanoma, you know, any evidence of regression. Okay, so this is the one that I showed you earlier. So, our major criteria, that pigment network, yes, we've got that, two points. This scores way off the chart, but just to recognize the other things. So, you do have the blue gray veil. It's hard for me to appreciate irregular vascularity. There's some reddish areas there, but you're really looking more for kind of irregular vessels there, and so I probably wouldn't give it that criteria. Some of you guys, your LASIK may be better than mine, and you can see that. But you do have, if you look throughout this lesion, some irregular kind of foci of dots and globules. This streaking that you see kind of right through there, that's what I'm talking about on that. And then in those blue-white areas, you've got some areas that does correlate under the microscope with regression. So let's look at this one, and let's score it. Is it melanocytic, first step? Yes, you got it. Like I said, you're going to be tired of me saying that, but you can't take the next step to judge a lesion until you know that it's melanocytic. Okay, So it has an atypical pattern, yes. Blue-gray areas, yes. This you can see irregular vascularity. And that bright red area right there, that corresponds to ulceration, which we know histologically does have clinical significance in a melanoma. But I like this one. You can really see superiorly some of those irregular dots and globules. And that streaking is really nice in this lesion. And That's what they're talking about, that peripheral streaking. That's suggestive of a melanoma as well. And then you definitely have some areas where it looks like you've got regression also. I'm hitting you in the head with melanomas here. So first step first. Is it melanocytic? Yes. You got it. Atypical pigment network, blue-gray areas, irregular vascularity, your Lasik's better than mine, Um, but you do, again, the dots and globules, the streaks, and most of the time when it's a real melanoma, like I said, first your pants, then your shoes, you already know it's a melanoma, but it's You know academically fun to pull out your dermatoscope and to recognize all those characteristics and when you see the bad stuff Then you can start to recognize those hints of the bad stuff beginning and other things. I do briefly want to talk about um, non-melanocytic lesions because I think it's very important to reassure patients about what some things are. Now, basal cells, of course, you still want a biopsy, but a patient comes in, I've got this black spot here. I like dermoscopy just because I think it's interesting and I think it's a great adjunct tool. Patients love dermoscopy because you've taken one extra second to pull this fancy little light out of your pocket and stick it on their skin. I kid you not, it doesn't really, I mean, for an SK, you know it's an SK, but when you've looked at it, and you're like, oh no, I can recognize all the structures of a seborrheic keratosis, patients love that stuff. I cannot tell you how many times I've had a patient say, well, you're the only one who ever takes the time to really magnify my moles, which takes me no longer than anybody else to look at a lesion, but patients love dermoscopy. And like I said, if you're just looking at stuff, they like it, but you're learning as well. If you're looking at sebaceous hyperplasia, if you're looking at a wart, all those kind of things, You're learning in the midst of your clinic and really if you've got one of those easy dermatoscopes it takes you no extra time to do it but I do want you to be able to recognize some of these non melanocytic lesions because these are things that your patients are going to come in with and I want you to be able to differentiate them between pigmented or excuse me melanocytic worrisome lesions and what some of these benign lesions are so I'm going to hit on Seborrheic pigment um, pigmented basal cells. I'll hit on DFs in the next um, hour when we're doing the challenge, so that's a hint if you're keeping track of what one of the ones might be next time. Okay, so SKs, you guys, if you're like me, have a plethora of these things to check out in clinic. They're gonna have lots of characteristics there, and I'm gonna show you some of these things. They're not going to have a true network or globules, but you and I both know a lot of them are tan, a lot of them are heavily pigmented. And so you are going to see pigment, but you're not going to see that true organization, that pretty little um, network that we were talking about earlier. The milia-like cyst, or they call them horn cysts sometimes under the microscope, you can see those clinically as well. And that's a very reassuring feature. Um, the fat fingers, I wouldn't dare call anybody's fingers fat, so we'll stick with cerebriform surface. Fissures and ridges; those are the cracks that you clinically see in just a big old SK. And then some of them will have blue-gray dots. This is probably the most um, characteristic thing that you see in a seborrheic keratosis: are these milia-like cysts? And like I said, they correspond to the horn cysts that you see under the microscope. But I mean, clinically, you can see these a lot of times in SKs, especially in a big old warty one. You see those white. Cyst, but if somebody comes in with a new, you know, they're 60, they're like, I've got this new dark spot here, because SKs a lot of times start out relatively flat, and you can magnify it, and you see those millia like cysts there, you know, it's very reassuring for you and for the patient. Okay, so side by side, I like to see what something is and what it's not. One of these is millia like cyst, and one is not. So I'll give you a second to look. Yeah. So this one here on the left is your milia-like cyst. Um, The one on the right is actually sebaceous hyperplasia there, and that's just those little sebaceous lobules all grouped together. But you can appreciate within the lesion those little milia-like cysts. Yes? Okay. These are those, not going to say fat fingers, but cerebriform surface. It looks like the surface of a brain. And so you see all that kind of gyrated appearance there. Again, clinically, you can often see this, but that's indicative of an SK as well. And this one, you don't see really any milia like cyst, but it is an SK. I put this one back up. This is our tanning cream SK from earlier in the lecture. And now that you know that you're looking for that cerebriform surface, you can better appreciate that this is an SK and not a nevus. And so, again, you're looking at the whole picture there. Um, I'd still be concerned for pigment pigmented lesion without the orange palms. But you can see that there, why this is an SK, because you've got that nice cerebriform surface. OK, so one of these has a cerebriform surface, and one's a dermal nevus. Sometimes it's just nice to see side by side So can y'all appreciate, this lesion has the cerebriform surface, that little gyrated appearance, that one's your dermal nevus, wobbling under the creepy dermatologist dermatoscope. Okay, clinically, you can see these most of the time. The fissures, they're just the big old cracks in an SK, so of course you see them clinically, you'll see them under your dermatoscope as well. I think um, you can also see some of these fissures in good old congenital nevi. You know what I'm talking about, the big, warty, velvety. And so then you've got to look at your whole picture again, head of a pigment network. But fissures and crypts, especially these crusty guys like this, suggestive of an SK. Basal cell. I like looking at basal cells under the dermatoscope. And I do think this is helpful, differentiating um, sebaceous hyperplasia from a basal cell. That's a nice way to use your dermatoscope. or um, Just in counseling a patient, uh, if I see a lesion that's very suggestive of a melanoma clinically and under the dermatoscope, I always try to give anticipatory guidance so that I'm not calling them three days later going, hey, surprise, you got melanoma. I try to counsel patients, and then it's good news if you're wrong. But um, again, with a basal cell, I know at our office with the Medicare requirements, we do like pre-surgical visits. And if I look at something, I think it's a basal cell, and sometimes my dermatoscope helps me there, and then I can go ahead and ask all that stuff, save them a visit. It's just increasing your diagnostic accuracy, which is nice for patients. So you're going to look. There's really going to be an absence of a pigment network. I've showed you several pictures of pigment and basal cells. So you can see pigment or blue-gray areas inside of a basal cell, but you're going to have an absence of pigment network, so absence of organization. The linear and arborizing telangiectasias, and I'm gonna show you pictures of these, but that is one of the key characteristics in basal cells. And you know that there's irregular vascularities. Do basal cells bleed? Yes, because there's irregular vasculature there. The leaf-like areas, um, I think that's a little bit of a soft finding. Again, you guys may be able to appreciate that better than I do. And those blue-gray nests that I talked about, that's some of that pigment there. And then the spoke wheel areas, some of those pigmented areas can look like little spoke wheels. This is a perfect example of the arborizing telangiectasia. So arborizing like a tree, I think you guys all know that. But, um, so you just see how it's nice and branched out vasculature within that lesion. That's very suggestive of a basal cell. Okay, so I wanted to put side by side here. So one of these has that irregular arborizing telangiectasia and one has a more organized little vascular structure. So you can appreciate that, the difference. So you've got that irregular one. You've also got a big old scab on it, which may be your clue. But um, the one on the right is a dermatophibroma, and the one on the left is a basal cell carcinoma. So I just want you to see the difference in that arborizing irregular vasculature. Okay, first glance, you're going to be like, melanoma, cut it off. But then you're going to say, wait, I'm going to go step by step. Let's go back. Is it melanocytic? It's heavily pigmented. And so at first blush, you're probably going to say yes, and still grade it, and still biopsy it, and everybody's okay in the end. But because it's a basal cell, and we know that just for the sake of the talk, I'm going to talk through you and show you some of these areas. The leaf-like areas is why I put this up here. And when they're saying that, they're talking about the scalloped edges there. Again, I think that's kind of a soft finding, but. You're going to find it in every textbook about a basal cell, the leaf-like areas. So I just want you to know what they're talking about. It's not inside the lesion. It's at the periphery. It's these nice scalloped edges on a basal cell. Clinically, you've got a big old ulceration there. The spoke wheel, you can kind of appreciate how those nests of pigment look like they've got little kind of spokes shooting out from them. So based on those leaf-like areas, And again, first your pants, then your shoes. Which one of these is going to be a basal cell carcinoma? You've got a group of lesions on one side. It's probably not, unless you've got a basal cell nevus person, a group of basal cells. But I just wanted to show you the difference. On the right, you've got those, they're going to call those leaf-like areas. You see that nice scalloped kind of border there. You've also got beautiful, which I guess that's relative, beautiful arborizing telangiectasia. I'm a nerd there. Um, But on the left, you've got flat warts. And so clinically, you've got a group of lesions, there's no irregular vasculature, but you can have those leaf-like areas just because you have a scallops border there does not mean it's a basal cell. And then again, blue-gray areas, that's heavily pigmented enough that you may say, I'm not sure if it's melanocytic and still biopsy it. Everybody's okay in the end, it's a basal cell, still needs a biopsy. All right, so you're gonna use all of your tools that we've gotten here so far. One of these is a melanoma, and one of these is a basal cell. They're both on sun-damaged skin, so if you're looking at the background, there's pigment in both of those, because we know photo-damaged skin, you get irregular pigmentation. But one has got pigment as part of the lesion, so your first question first. Are you gonna biopsy both of these? Of course you are, you're a good dermatologist, you're gonna biopsy them but um, it may change the way that you biopsy them if you can differentiate them. Because if it's a melanoma, you may want to just scoop the fire out of that thing or do an excisional biopsy on it. If it's a basal cell, a lot of times I just biopsy a portion of it, so you know, either me or another surgeon can tell where the periphery of the lesion is. So it may change the way you biopsy. And if that's all it changes, great. You have saved the patient perhaps a big old scoop shave scar. But anybody want to guess which is the basal cell, left or right? Very good, so you guys appreciated. Pigment network on this guy. They're both nasty and need to come off, but when you decide that that one's melanocytic, is there asymmetry in the pattern? Yes. Is there asymmetry in the color? Yes. Are there blue-gray areas? Yes. Your regular vasculature, dots and globules, streaks, it's got it all. And so here you've just got some heavy, you do have some heavy globs of pigment. You can pick up, There's your little kind of funny telangiectasias there, as well, okay, vascular lesions. Patients, how many of you have had patients that come in and they say, "I've got this black spot here, and it's got to go," and it's just a little angioma. Or it's because sometimes you know they can be so purple that they look black. Pulling out your dermatoscope and going, "Nope, it's just vascular. I can see it's just a little dilated blood vessel." There is very reassuring, and it's very easy to tell the difference under the dermatoscope. And when you've got a small lesion. My eyes are not that good, and I'm still young. And so you need some sort of magnification. Lacunae is the classic finding in a vascular lesion, or lakes of blood vessels or a vasculature. And so you can appreciate that. You saw that earlier in that angioma that I put up that just had the lovely little globules of vasculature there. When you magnify it, these are extremely easy to see. And so you got kind of more of a purplish lesion and then pink. Hemorrhage is another thing that's tricky a thrombose skin tag or um, Interestingly, I had a lady come in last week. who's like all my moles are changing and I don't know what's wrong And they all had this perfect little black dot in the center of them just on her legs And I looked at it and they had this appearance of hemorrhage and I could recognize that because it was my dermatoscope with my naked eye It did look like she had this black deposition in all of her nevi and we got into it. She's like well, yeah, I did have my legs lasered last week because, you know, and she had hemorrhage in all of her moles. And then you looked at normal skin, she had some small areas of hemorrhage there as well. So recognizing it just looks like a scab there, but that black color, you can appreciate it's a little bit different than that amorphous look we looked at, that smudged look. This is just a scab or hemorrhage under the dermatoscope. Okay. So that's it for this lecture. The next lecture, you're really going to use your skills, and you've used them this hour. But we're getting to some more specifics as well. I can just encourage you guys, get a dermatoscope. They're not expensive. If you've got CME money, use it to buy one of the less expensive dermatoscopes and just start using it. It's a fun tool to use in clinic. And once you even have just the basics in your pocket, you really can start to recognize some of these things and increase your accuracy. If y'all have any questions now, that's great. Or we can do them after the second lecture if everybody needs a stretch and a coffee break. That's good by me.